He played carol gun. His rating was higher. But from move seventeen, the king's side was mine. Took my chances fast. My rook was a knife, and my almighty queen a beast on each six. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ladies' Night, the official podcast of U.S. Chess Women. I'm your host Jennifer Chahadi, and you are listening to the artist Huga of HugaMusica.com, and that is a song that certainly captured my heart. Oh, Capablanca! His bishop was small. Thanks to everyone who supports the podcast for your shares and reviews and Apple Live. If you want to get more involved in all we do at US Chess to empower girls and women through chess, please consider a tax-deductible donation of any size to our US Chess Women program and reach out to me with any questions. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ladies' Night, where we have a very special guest, international master Danny Ranch, the CCO of Chess.com. Danny's also a commentator on Twitch.tv slash chess, and all that work with Robert has obviously paid off as he recently returned to active play to win the 2019 Denver Open. I thought Danny would be a good choice for Ladies' Night due to his work on making chess more fair and free of harassment for everyone, which ties into many of the goals that we have here at US Chess, and specifically for me as we aim towards more female members than ever. Thanks, Danny, for joining me. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about chess.com and women. Do you have data on how many female members that you have? We do. Um, and that's the data that our members tell us. So mm-hmm. sometimes you, when you're in that world, you can't always control what people put on their profiles or who they are. Um, when you deal with a lot of anonymous people, but based on information that we know is pretty close to accurate, um, I would say that the, the player base is, is about 75-25 men to women. So it's unfortunate. It's something we want to be increasing more. But that's about numbers that I could say would be pretty accurate. Now, that's not um, front-facing. Like, if I'm playing somebody on chess.com, I can't tell what gender there are. But you're saying internally the company has Internally, data. based on um, some verification of identity and just title players who uh, say who they are, and then we confirm, okay, she is a title player. So based on what we know, and, and we we're pretty, uh, especially with the standards that we have now with GDPR, like we really respect our users' privacy. So unless they tell us who they are or what gender they are, then it's not something that we're collecting. Um, but I would say that that's probably about the demographic if you were if you were looking globally, which I actually think in one ways is some ways are pretty good, um, given we have a massive player base in uh, throughout the whole world and Middle East and India and Egypt. And I don't, I don't know how popular chess is in other countries for female players. So I feel like given that of the active players we know, I feel like that's not that bad of a number. And we just finished the Women's Speech Chess Championship, which was a lot of fun too. But anyway, so that's what I could say, 75-25 roughly. Now, do you have a sense of whether that 25% behave in a different way in terms of the types of chess that they like to play or the types of things they like to do on chess.com, whether it's gleaned from data or just anecdotal? That's a really good question. I, I I don't know that I will say this has become more of a focus for us recently. It was unfortunate that it was a it was a Norwegian. Uh, I don't know if you followed that story. 
the, mm-hmm. the yeah the uh, Norwegian chess. Well, she's not really a chess journalist, I guess, but she uh, at the time was you know experiencing a, a ton of harassment. And unfortunately, these things happen, I guess, on a lot of websites, especially when people are anonymous. Unfortunately, in our world, sometimes they're doing things that they wouldn't do face to face with someone. But that actually has been we've launched a ton of different initiatives this over the last quarter to give our users more ways to tell us how they feel about their experiences, um, both from you know, uh, interacting more directly with support, giving feedback on positive and negative experiences. Um, they can do it anonymously. And we don't have a lot of data that says that um, female users are more willing or unwilling to share personal things or um, how they feel about uh, whatever picture they might use as an avatar, like maybe not actually use a picture themselves because they're worried about harassment. I think this is a serious issue and it's something that I know exists on a lot of different platforms, but it is something we've we've really kind of been given a uh, an eye-opening, like, hey, like there's a lot of things we can do to help members feel, I don't even want to use the word safe, but maybe more at home and more like they're just there to play chess and enjoy the game without worrying about those sort of things happening to them. So it's a big issue and I, and I, it's something that we continue to, to look at and how we're going to tackle. And that would probably be, I, I wouldn't say it's like number one, but it's a very top priority for us this year. And we've done a number of different things, new features we've launched to help it. Yeah, I think it's so important. And I do remember the case of that Norwegian journalist or Norwegian chess player and the article that you wrote and your CEO yeah. wrote a reply to that. Yeah. It, it really hit Eric personally. He has three daughters and they are of ages where they're, you know, interacting regularly in the world. His oldest daughter is about to go to college. And, uh, you know, I have two daughters myself. And I think that as chess has been a historically male dominant sport, and we know that's something we want to change. And so for her to feel that um, not just already the difficulties that it is for a woman to want to engage in chess when they already kind of know they're the minority and then to get that kind of experience was just really upsetting, very devastating. And it's something that we took really seriously. And I know Eric also reached out to her personally. Um, and uh, it led to, it led to a lot of good discussions, actually. I hear about harassment in chess a lot, but I also hear about women and girls who have a really positive time in chess, partly because they are a minority right. and therefore they get a lot of attention and opportunities. And um, I, honestly, for some women, that's a good thing. I definitely found that when I got back into chess when I was in high school, I had that experience and I actually enjoyed being one of the few women. But I think the problem about looking at, at it like that is there's a survivorship bias. Right. So the people who don't like right. all that attention right. are, are gone. So you can't interview them. Right. Well, you made it, right? If my If one of my daughters chooses to get into chess and wants to take it really seriously, then one, I think they'll be lucky because then they have a dad that can maybe help them and, and help them move quickly. But also, I, they also have someone who's very aware of not just some of the issues that women have had to face in chess, but issues that women have had to face online in anonymous experiences, right? Chess.com is, we consider ourselves a chess website first, and we, we love chess, but we're also, whether we like it or not, a massive social network, right? And you have, when in those environments, when you have the ability for people to say and do things without always the, the, the consequences that you, I, I feel that you would have if you were who you were, uh, if you, if people knew who you were, if you, if you, you maybe wouldn't say things to, um, to harass and hopefully, hopefully you shouldn't say them anyway, but I think it's a very, very tough situation for young women to be in when they don't feel safe. And I, I think that it's given us an eye opener. And I think we, we've considered a lot of ways to add options for people to 
verify themselves and for accounts to say they only want to interact with accounts that are verified, like allowing our users to tell us a little more what experience they want. Because um, as a dad, I would want my daughters to feel that way, whether they really enjoyed that they were one of the few girls playing or, or, or maybe by that time they'll see a lot more of their, of their friends and, and their female peers playing, right? So I want, I want people on our site to be able to choose the experience they want and to be able to, as much as possible, make themselves available to be engaged with by the users they say kind of kind of make them feel comfortable right so that's one of the ways we're handling it is developing features that allow you to tell us hey i only want to be contacted by accounts that have verified themselves this way and maybe have this kind of good sportsmanship rating and that kind of tells me that i feel more comfortable about the people that can engage with my profile so that's one of the things we're doing with them that's fantastic i didn't know that but i i do know from doing commentary for chess.com for the pro chess league and some other events that it seems like your Twitch chat is pretty clean. Like mm -hmm. I noticed also with Alexandra Botez, like she was doing an event and it was a women's event, maybe the women's candidates. And it was the point at which like, even a question like, why are there women's tournaments? Like if people kept asking that too much, mm -hmm. even they would get like an auto response. Yep. Like, please don't continue asking this because yep. we don't want to hide this. There's chess being played. Yep. We don't want to hijack this conversation. So all we're talking about is, Right. You know, gender difference, which, which you, you kind of pose it as this like, you know, honest intellectual question, but we know that you're trying to hijack right. the combo into a negative. And our, our mods get a ton of credit for that. They have just done a great job of being patient and allowing people to ask an innocent question one time, because sometimes it can lead to more fruitful, but then also watching for the slippery slope that a chat room can go down if you allow too much of it to fester. Right. And I think it's sometimes it is writing a line when, you know, we've, Alexander Botez, Anna Rudolph, um, those are two uh, regular streamers within the kind of the, the chess network, right? You see them on Twitch, you see them on chess.com, and we've leaned on them for advice and how they feel about it and what they think and what what makes them feel comfortable. And I and when I say we, I know chess.com as a company has engaged with them, but also they've that's the mod community they've created for themselves, right? Say, hey, like, I'm okay with this. Relax a little bit. We're having fun here. We're all people. But hey, when this sort of stuff starts to happen, that's when we know this is like something we don't want. And that's really, it's first and foremost for us because it is, it, even though we've engaged and really tried to grow into the Twitch community, um, you know, we have content all over the web, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. It's, it, we do really want it to be kind of not even, I mean, family first sounds like the old way to say it, but just like safety and just people feeling like they can be themselves without sort of like judgment, people casting dispersions or trying to take conversations down ways that naturally are inflammatory and politically driven or, or whatever, like driving something toward a debate they want to have. We really try to stay clear of that. I mean, it even says in our about page, we're like, Hey, like avoid politics, avoid religion, play chess, have fun. Like let's, you know, avoid, you know, no racially, sexually charged comments and you're going to have a great time. We try to make the Twitch chat the same way. Yeah. It seems like you guys have made a lot of progress on it. And it's really fun to see like watching streams and not having it bogged down by that negativity. And you mentioned Anna Rudolph. I actually interviewed her not for ladies night, but for something else. And she mentioned you. And she said that this is at a time where I think she was doing stream where there was more I hope negativity. This is a good thing, I have no idea. There was <laughs> there was more negativity because it was maybe not. I think moderation has come a while in the last few years. And she said that you told her that it's important not to take the compliments too much to heart because that will also make you more vulnerable to negativity. Obviously, feel good about a compliment, but don't get like so emotional about every positive and negative. I was sharing with Anna when she was first getting going with us and, and doing Chess Center um, content and, and really just starting to launch her own chess streaming brand. And she was struggling with some 
some of the haters, only way to say it, right? Haters going to hate, right? So she was struggling with some of the stuff that was going on and then some of the weirdness that can happen with, for female, I guess, outward facing personalities. I don't know how to describe it. Celebrities, streamers, whatever, people that are in the, on the front line, uh, creating content and putting themselves out there. And, and she was struggling with some of the stuff that was coming back. And I shared with her kind of my own experiences. Obviously I'm not a woman, so I wasn't relating to exactly the same type of comments, but I was relating it back to having experiences when, uh, as chess.com grew, you know, that we, we also have had different negativity and not everyone's going to like you. And I've had a lot of, a lot of hate and a lot of like really sometimes really nasty comments come. And I've, I've dealt with a lot of weird stuff from, from death threats to people finding pictures of my family on the internet. I won't get into all that. Right. But I, I, we've dealt with a lot of that. One of the things I told her is I said, if you make yourself personally vulnerable, all the time emotionally to all the positive, there's a, there's a flip side to every coin, which is that you're still engaging in comments, you're reading all the feedback, and you're going to come across these things. And I'm not telling you to put yourself in a bubble. You have circles of people you trust, people that I know would give me honest feedback if I didn't have a good show, or if they didn't like some things I said, or if they felt like I wasn't on my best, right? And those are the people that will also, when they tell me, hey man, like you really did a good job there in whatever way, right? It means more to me from the inner circle than it does to read comments, even if the comments are 75, 25 positive to negative or some usually much better, right? Usually you get most people positive and then, but then people are going to say some cruel things sometimes, right? And if you allow yourself to be caught up in, oh, everyone loves me, one comment can tear that down. I wanted to ask about esports because in the Pro Chess League, in the second year in a row, had an esports finale. And I, I was reading about the Fortnite world championship recently and the really appallingly low numbers of female participation that make chess and poker look like, you know, incredibly progressive. But why is it that a game like chess is so ahead of the curve in that way? Because of course, we'd rather it be 50-50, wouldn't we? Not 75-25. But it does seem that video games are even maybe the participation levels are high, but it seems like the elite participation levels aren't high. In any case, what do you think is is about chess that seems a little bit more welcoming than some video games? It's a good question. I mean, I feel like it is. And I would like to think that some of the, call it the current issues we have where there's less women playing chess than men are the sins of generations previous in the sense of I mean, my, my wife is a teacher and um, much smarter than me. And uh, she's, uh, you know, she just got her master's in education and she's, you know, been, but she's been teaching for a few years while completing that. And I remember one of the classes uh, she was taking where we talked really openly about how, I mean, not too long ago, women were still actively discouraged from fields in math and science, right? And I think in some cultures actually around the world, that still is the case, right? And then there's the, there's just the culture of the U.S., if you go back as far as 60s, 50s, 40s, right, the generations that have been raising and affecting our current situation for many years. And I think that there was not active encouragement, enough active encouragement for women to be engaged in those types of, uh, whether it was one-on-one competitive situations or or fields of math and science. And I, so I would argue that chess is actually inherently very welcoming and very social. Uh, we see that we, people love, I mean, not just like bug house and things like that, but there's a lot of aspects to the community of chess that bring people together that I think is inherently naturally welcoming to both genders. But I would argue that that some of the issues we have are actually more systemic than totally reflective of our current position on those things or the current issues. And I'm maybe I'm being an idealist. I, obviously, we shared in the beginning of your questions that certainly in online communities, especially like there's still 
a lot of dangers, I think, in terms of how uh, women can not feel, let alone not welcome, but maybe even worse, right? Attacked, right? Like like the young woman from Norway felt, and that's horrible. But I would also argue that chess itself inherently is very welcoming, especially anybody that's ever experienced like a great chess tournament moment where you have your friends around and the community, like boys and girls, like it's just a blast. That's something that I would argue we still... You know, and I don't mean to get this too prophetic, but it's like the sins of the parents cast upon the children. I think it's sins of previous generations that we're still dealing with in order to unwind some of maybe thought processes or habits or just areas that people haven't haven't seen differently because of that. It's not even to throw anyone under the bus. It's just to say that things were different. People viewed things differently, right? And I think we're adjusting and making changes. And, and I think chess is very welcoming or more social than it's been given credit for. And the lack of women representation might be more systemic then we realized, and maybe there are more changes coming. I think there's more female players now. We know that there's a lot of outspoken enthusiasts like yourself and others, right, who are really engaging in that battle. And I think that in 10 years that that kind of thing starts to see that we're proven right and the trends are continuing to go that direction. I think they will. And I think one thing Chess has on its side that a lot of other games don't is the educational element. There's a lot of people really invested in seeing girls and women play chess because they understand that it's a gateway to STEM fields or they believe that. Um, And there's a lot of researchers who are interested in chess. And these are all positives because it kind of creates this incentive to get more girls and women into the game where nobody owns chess. Whereas if you're in a for-profit video game company, if it's not as easy to acquire a female Mm -hmm customer right. and why would you bother right whereas in chess we can answer those questions this is why it matters even if it takes more effort to yep. get like you know 10 women to play it matters because we have all these goals that aren't just about making money but are about you know promoting chess as an educational tool i can say on you reminded me of a really great point um speaking of esports video games the platforms where people watch and play this so twitch and obviously we have a partnership that goes goes directly with Amazon and Twitch is a is an Amazon owned company. One of the big positives they looked at when they were when we were talking with them for a long time before we ultimately agreed like, hey, we're going to come together to try to really grow chess as a, as an ecosystem, as a culture on Twitch, as a game that people want to watch in between Fortnite and any other video game. It has cognitively for children, like socially for different communities, right? It, it would in theory have the same benefits. You're playing the same game online as you are over the board. But they also said that chess is, is much more of a symbol of global strategic thinking. It's, a, it's great for education, right? It breaks into education markets. And I think that made Twitch and Amazon very interested in that it's, uh, it's something that has outlasted so many other games. It, the history in chess is deeper than all of us, right? And I think that's that's special. It is. And I also am not trying to hate on video games just because I don't really know enough about them and the cultures at this point. But I have spoken at gaming conventions and, you know, talked at length to some, some gaming people. And it does seem that some of the gender issues that exist in chess exist there and are perhaps even worse. Mm-hmm. So uh, that said, I mean, I'm sure they enhance creativity and have all sorts of positive to them. You know, I, I don't feel like... Anything that's that popular can have zero value. Oh, for Usually sure. Usually there's like some, some yeah. reason. And I remember when Greg and I were kids, we used to obviously play video games. Oh, yeah. I mean, I play I played Fortnite with my kids. I'm not good at it. Um, I try to spend time with with uh, everything they're interested in. And, uh, you know, I think that there's a ton of positives on a social level, too. Just that it's fun and brings people together. That's what game's about. 500 years ago, even when chess chess's rules became similar to what they are now, and the queen became the most powerful piece, there was actually a lot of backlash towards that because people thought that if you made the queen the most powerful piece, it was an hysterical woman. They called it the Mad Woman's Chess Game because you have this woman who has right. so much power. The queen of, the queen of Spain, <laughs> exactly. Who, who changed the rules? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. If she's she explicitly changed the rules. Well, but some yes. people thought she 
queens, powerful yes. queens like Isabella inspired, inspired it. Yeah. And there was one critic who anonymously created a chessboard, this was in French, and had a different insult for the queen on each square. Mm. So it's incredible that like so many years later, you still have people who are insulting women when they get into positions of power and leave those remarks anonymously. But I kind of look at that in the positive too, because when that happened, what happened to chess? Well, it became a way better game. Right. So it's the game we still play today. And I would like to argue that if it was really that bad, it would have been changed back to something else. Right. I mean, it's still the game play we play today. And I think the move away from that actually is one of the reasons why maybe in the last few years, things have been cleaned up a little bit. Like it's harder to hide behind an anonymous wall on um, a lot of the different social media networks. And yeah. you mentioned chess.com. It seems that way to me at least. I mean, I think you can always, and one of the reasons I answered the first question you, you gave me the way I did is, is because we, we don't totally know, right? We, we know what people tell us who they are, right? Um, their gender, age, whatever, right? Uh, we're not data mining our users to find and sell different products information. We're already offering what we do, which is chess. So we know what we know about our users based on what they've told us. Some are paying members, which gives you more identity confirmation. Some are confirmed women title players, right? Because we provide the lifetime diamond membership. But I think there is more incentive, I would agree with you, for, to, to confirm your identity, identity. But there's always going to be incentive for those who don't want to, to kind of not. Yeah, well, the seventy-five twenty-five. just because this obviously fascinates me in my new role at U.S. Chess, where we're trying to get more women members. Is there something, because I have just some anecdotal theories. Is there behavior that's different in terms of what they like to do as, as puzzles, one-minute chess, five-minute chess, video lessons, anything? Obviously, if there's something you can't share for privacy reasons, I understand that. But is there anything like anecdotally that you feel might be a little bit different about the female behavior? You would say like, Describe the 90% of behavior that every member is taking in a day, like they're playing Blitz, Bullet, their favorite games, or they're logging to play their daily chess move because they've got a few games going, right? And then they're doing puzzles. So almost everybody goes into that category regardless of gender. Both men and women are equally as, hey, we know they like to play and solve. You know, then there are different social activities from blogging and commenting on things that, frankly, we haven't really jumped into to, to, to discern whether female accounts engage more in community activities. I know that at one point we had a, a several very active female writers. And when I say that, not just writers we hired, but community writers, community contributors to blogs and things like that. Um, but I, I don't really have any hard data that says that really on a chess website that men and women are any different. Everyone wants to play and everyone wants to solve puzzles. And that's, that's the thing I can say for sure here. So. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I had this theory that women and girls might have a slight edge compared to the rating on puzzles. So I was hoping maybe at some, some point to like test that theory. Uh, it's a good question. I mean, honestly, I want to follow up on this and maybe next year if I came back or something, I, I would love, this is, this is an interesting point. As I said, we're already touching on more ways for our community members to feel safe, different things I said in the beginning, but we have been running some more data in this area, but this, this would be an interesting follow-up and something that I think we should do. Yeah. I mean, I read David Smurden's piece yeah. about Grandmaster David Smurden, who's now an economist in London uh, or Australia but he's done some work in London and I read his work and he had just interests me because obviously a woman has a rating and that rating is an average of how she plays. But is there any potential gender difference, like maybe slightly worse at blitz, but slightly better at puzzles, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that ends up, for instance, combining the average female 2,400 as opposed to the average right. male 2,400. Right. And why I think that would be useful is that maybe you would teach women 
and men in slightly different ways if mm-hmm. you knew that there was like this thing or just just use it as positive reinforcement like jacob agard gave a, a camp u.s chess school camp with my brother greg shahadi who of course you work with very closely on the pro chess league and there were a number of america's strongest women players there jen yu carissa yip emily nguyen and a couple others maggie fang and they had a girls team for the puzzle solving and then they had like a lot of different um you know boys teams they they grouped them by age or height and the girls performed overperformed the rating. Did they do better working together than the other groups did? Mm-hmm. Were they more motivated in the puzzles or is it just the specific aspect of puzzles that they were just better at? I think from an educational standpoint would be really a useful way to look at a reason for us to do that case study and find that data because if you could engage young female players differently than we currently are and that leads to more of them playing longer and continuing with the game, I mean, that would be a big goal, right? And I think that it's fascinating. I will share one thing because one thing you said reminded me that on, on Chess Kid, our scholastic site, I would say we do a better job over there at rewarding learning, which this applies across gender, like regardless of that. And But I will say that um, a lot of our young female players on Chess Kid really enjoy uh, talking about the level up process, which we do, which is after you watch a video and solve the questions and then also do a certain amount of puzzles. So there's no play involved. Watching a video, answering the follow-up questions, and then doing puzzles to earn stars, you can upgrade and jump level, right, to King 29. Now you're King 30. Now you're King 31, right? And that has been very, very popular amongst our young uh, female users on chess.com. Oh, chess kit. So anyway, I think that what you said reminded me of that. And that's something we're actually trying to do more on chess.com because even adults want to be rewarded for learning and get a pat on the back and say, good job, right? So we're trying to find more ways to make that fun to, to allow the learn tools to maybe draw more attention than just playing you know, but really wanted to take the time to dive in and get better. Yeah, I know. I think that's great because girls, there is like, I don't know if it's a nature or nurture or what percentage of each, but there is this theory that women and girls are competitive, but sometimes competitive with themselves and breaking their high score mm. as opposed to the direct head-to-head competition. Oh, so interesting. if that is the case, harnessing that and rewarding it, you know, makes a lot of sense. But uh, to wrap up, tell us about the cool stuff you're doing with women in chess in the upcoming year. I know you have a qualifier um, for the Speed Chess Champs. And we, we've just been wrapping it up. So we did our first ever Women's Speed Chess Championship. So we invited seven of the the best women players in the world. An eighth spot was open for qualification. And the event just wrapped up with Danielian from Armenia. She actually won. She qualified for it. So she won the open qualifier to take the eighth seed. Then she beat Katarina Lagno and eventually went on to win the whole thing. She beat Valentina Gunina in the final. That was an amazing story, like legit Cinderella story. She qualified her way in and then won the whole thing. That was really cool. It's something we want to keep doing. And, uh, you know, I personally felt like it was a very positive experience. Everybody everybody liked it. We had Anna Rudolph and Sopako Guramashvili doing the commentary. We'd like to do more events like that. I know we have plans for a, a, also a girls-only event at Chess Kid. If, if young girls do like competing against their own score, right, rather than the head-to-head, then that reminds me that we're also trying to do more Puzzle Rush tournaments coming up, Puzzle Rush competitions. We don't have any plans right now for a men and women's event. We do have a ton of people who are just constantly competing against themselves to get better. And I think that the Puzzle Rush Championship will be a good way to maybe add more both men's and women's combined and different events. So, And why is it important for men to participate in things like, you know, being a guest on Ladies Night or, you know, really being out there pushing women and girls forward? Why, why speak about it as a man? I think that all you can do, like you love the people you love, right? And you also want to just see the world change these habits, both for my wife, but also for my daughters, right? So I think I, I would say it's it's more of empathizing with parts of other people's experiences that you can. 
without having to force them to be your own. I love that. That's a really good way to put it. And as for chess.com, it sounds like you have 30 million members recently. Congrats. And if that's about 25%, that means you're pretty close to 10 million female members. Yeah. I've got a math <laughs> professor who's kind of to, to be To be clear, now, so we, we track a lot of those data, people signing mm-hmm. up. Our active member base is closer to about 4 million. Four okay. and a half million. Okay. So those are people sign up and then never use accounts again on the internet. Or sometimes you get attacked by people who sign up a whole bunch of accounts at once. So that, that number is not a fake number, but it's also not totally indicative of the amount of people using the site. But okay. that's not a bad thing. That's but not a bad thing. Still, that means it's you, still a lot. Still a lot. means you maybe have about 1 million uh, female members or, or somewhere in that neighborhood. So that's exciting. Obviously, at UF Chess, we're trying to get to closer to the 50-50 mark. Right now, we're at about 15%. That's, with a lot yeah. of that concentrated at the youth level. So it was really useful to talk to you and then hopefully we can continue the conversation offline as so many of the initiatives you're doing are, are very fascinating to me and I think can help US Chess with our own work to get more girls and women involved. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me and uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun, so thank you. And uh, for those of you interested in our Burpee Blitz match, um, I will put that in the show notes. <laughs> Thanks again, Danny. If you like what we're doing at US Chess to encourage women and girls to explore STEM fields, accentuate competence, and approach an even ratio with a focus on intersectionality, your donation to our US Chess Women programs is always appreciated and tax deductible. Don't forget to listen and subscribe to all US Chess podcasts from One Move at a Time, Cover Stories, and The Chess Underground. Till next time, may every night be ladies' night. Now according to Sockfish I got it all wrong After slightly advantage I had nothing But my dear Capablanco You tell me